0: Welcome to the True Beauty Brooklyn Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Taylor. And I'm Alex Shapiro. We are estheticians in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. And we work with really incredible, diverse, ambitious, and driven women that are killing it in life. And they deserve to be celebrated. So on this podcast, we're going to be sharing their stories with you. Yeah, and then in between those interview episodes,
1: we'll be doing segments where it's just the two of us, maybe some guest stars. And we'll be chatting about beauty, life, weird shit about being in your 30s, and just learning more about one another, because that's what makes us more similar than different.
0: Also, we're a lot of fun, and we We have a super multicultural community, and we kind of think that you might too, so why not talk all things beauty under one black and Jewish roof?
1: Hell yes. (laughs) Um, Also, we'll be answering listener questions, so make sure to write to us at shoebeautybrooklynpodcast at gmail.com. All right guys, so let's jump into the
0: show.
2: Bye.
0: Hey guys. Hey. <laughs> it's Elizabeth. And Alex. And welcome to the True Beauty Brooklyn podcast. Welcome. So today we are coming at you with a beauty school episode with one of our dear friends and clients, Chelsea Fasano. Yay. And we had an incredible conversation with her. She studies at Columbia University and conducts research on neuroscience and meditation. And she focuses on the emerging field of neurophenomenology, attempting to combine the study of traditional Buddhist texts and ideologies with the neuroscientific and experimental data gained from scientific meditation studies. Holy shit, she I, is really smart. She's really fucking <laughs> smart, and I cannot believe I even got that word out of my mouth. <laughs> on the first, I'm attempt. very impressed. Thanks. I'm like, guys. Um, so, we just talk about intimacy today with our digital world and trying to connect to people, but mm-hmm. trying to date these days. We just kind of go deep off. Yeah. So many also, topics. just
1: how our brains are so connected to our sexualness, <laughs> sexuality. <laughs>
0: nope it's sexualness sexualness our brains are connected (laughs) to our sexualness
1: but just how it's so connected and you know i think that a lot of you can probably relate that maybe your sex lives have changed a bit in Mm -hmm. this last year maybe you're single so you weren't able to sleep with different partners like you maybe used to Mm -hmm. maybe you're in a committed relationship but all of the stress has just put a damper on your sex life and the intimacy that you normally feel with your partner. Or maybe you're
0: not like, able to connect with people as a single person the way you used to because of COVID. Because you can't mm-hmm. really like, date the way that you used to and get to know somebody in the yeah. same ways that we used to get to know people so we
1: promise we don't just talk about COVID shit but that is yeah. something that I think a lot of people can relate to so totally. I wanted to bring it up this was
0: a really dope conversation I mean it's always fun when we talk with friends I think because we can be a little bit loosey-goosey and silly yeah. but it was also just super interesting and Chelsea's fucking so th- goddamn smart she's very smart yes and At any point
1: when I was like oh maybe she won't know the answer to this no she knows
0: of course she knows <laughs> that bitch knows we bring you people who know
1: <laughs> totally I hope that you guys enjoy this yes. and that you learn a little bit and totally. maybe it helps you in your sexual life yeah i mean it will it definitely will <laughs> so without
0: further ado here's our conversation with chelsea fasano
3: I am Chelsea Pisano, client of True Beauty for four years, and I also work in sex education and study the neurobiology of sexual behavior and the intersection of neurology and meditation at Columbia University.
1: Oh, so cool. Sounds so good. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It sounds so good. And as I was just saying, I'm so proud of Chelsea because she's one of my clients that I've known for many, many years. And I've watched her transform from a girl who wasn't sure if she wanted to go back to school to now somebody who's just like about so to be sure. The, so well, just about to be at the top of her field and going to Columbia. And you just worked so, so hard to get to where you are. So I'm so happy to have you on the show. But I'm also very proud of you so yeah
3: (laughs) well it was you know it was a very specific choice to be made I think and the reason why it was hard for me is that I spent so many years of my life basically devoted to meditation living in the jungle and or just doing a lot of spiritual practice and then trying to figure out how to actually help people with that and what the most useful way to do it with was was challenging for me and then Going into academia is a very specific way of doing it that I think is really needed, but the environment is obviously very different than meditating all day in the jungle. It's, a very, <laughs>
0: different, uh, it's very different. very different. very different. Yeah, but because you have that background is, I think, why people... I mean, I don't know anything about your field, obviously. I only know kind of, like, a little bit of what you told me, like, when we see each other for facials and everything, but people are seeing, like what I already know of you is like being super genuine and super authentic because you've lived these experiences and now you can go back and teach about it. Whereas a lot of, if I'm understanding correctly, academia is people that are kind of just like reading in books and then speaking back, but haven't actually lived the experience before. Right.
3: Yeah. I mean, that is one of the things that, and this is probably a controversial statement to make, I think is semi problematic about the way that, We train mental health professionals, and the way our society is set up is that there's a lot of pressure to go directly from high school right into college, and then at that, when people do that, they end up graduating at 28 or whatever from their PhD, having never really had life experiences outside of academia, and then people are coming to them for mental health help who have lived an entire lifetime and are both more wise in the ways of the heart and you know more jaded and have been through more shit mm-hmm. to say it bluntly yeah so I hear people having that experience a lot in therapy that they go and it feels like the person is inspecting them under a petri dish rather than relating to them as a human being who right. also has lived through things yeah. and who also is flawed which is a necessary
0: human trait <laughs> human trait yeah, yeah. No, I love that. But we talk a lot of, I mean, I talk a lot about that. Like I'm so far from perfect and like happily so far from perfect because it makes me a like human, but it also gives so much room to learn and to grow. And uh, I think more people kind of need to talk about like imperfections and being flawed and everything. So Absolutely. That's What you just said.
3: Yeah, I mean, my own therapist said this to me really eloquently once. He said the purpose of therapy isn't for you to be in a hole and for me to stand at the top of it try to pull you up it's for me to get down in there with you and climb up together and you can't do that unless you've been in your own personal hole
0: right
1: hit me hit me in the
0: heart wow how lucky are you to have such a great therapist but it's also so true it's like yeah dude I need you to like sit down with me and be like I feel you I feel what you're feeling that's awesome
3: right I I think that's the quality of a good best friend too right it's not the person who gives you a bunch of advice when you're down it's someone who says you know all right, well, you might, you know, you go through a breakup, you might be in this for a while, and it might genuinely be horrible. It's not going to get better overnight, but I'm going to be there with you through this horribleness. Yeah. We're going to, you know, eat as much pizza and ice cream as we need to get through this next few months, and then somewhere it'll get better along the line.
0: Yeah, yeah. Charles, um, uh, Charles, you're the best. All right, so <laughs> um, we invited you on the show today because we um, – Well, I wanted to talk, we wanted to invite somebody on who can kind of speak to our audience about sex education, but just about, I don't know, like we talk a lot about somehow like being kind of like, vagina you know (laughs) professional, and like you know and women come to us in their time of need whether it's like you know sometimes you're getting ready for a date or like what have you but long story short is you end up telling us so much about your relationship problems and like your relationships period and we end Mm -hmm. up having like these really incredible conversations but it's kind of the blind leading the blind because I mean who really besides the professional knows how to talk about relationships totally. and how to talk about sex and all of these things. Totally. And you're super sex positive. So um, we just wanted to kind of like have a conversation, I guess, about some of the things that our girls come to us about. Right. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing.
3: Well, first off, let me just say, I, as I said to you the other day, Elizabeth, I actually think that there is a wisdom in, in all of the knowledge that you two have gained through hearing so many stories, right? And I think that when it's actually the exact opposite of the dynamic I was just describing where people go to a therapist and they assume that the therapist has more degrees or potentially comes from a higher class background than them or is in some way superior or in some way removed. With you guys, it's the opposite dynamic where you are in their naked body with them in this super intimate environment and you're viewed as a peer. And I think people present a lot of really intimate information in those circumstances that they wouldn't necessarily talk about in therapy or in a setting where they feel like they're being sort of looked down on. Not that that always happens, but it's just a very different and very interesting dynamic. And I think you gain a lot of wisdom. So I'm excited to hear what you guys have to say. Um, You
1: know, I've had a client tell me before that the stuff that she told me, she didn't tell her therapist. Wow. Oh,
3: Uh, yeah. Totally. Which was crazy.
1: But I was also like, maybe you need a (laughs) therapist. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Like, I am not the girl. I'm, like, hungover. 25 years old. This is a little while ago. But
0: but you were in the hole with her. You were naked yeah. in that
3: hole with her. And so she felt yes, comfortable. Exactly. To, to you. That's totally. Awesome. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you might not have had a clinically back study. Probably had an open heart, and something that's all people need. I'm not saying that we should replace our pair of beauty technicians. I'm just saying you got to have a special spot. Yeah, this there's room for special
0: yeah.
3: spot in the universe. <laughs> okay, so where should
0: we open the conversation? Do you think
3: you guys should tell me some commonly asked questions or some commonly some common problems? Or okay, I'll tell you a
1: common problem. I feel like one of the most common things that I hear from women that I wax is that either the man they're married to or that they're, they've been dating long-term just has lost interest in having sex. It's like almost never them. It's always the dude. Mm. Is there a science behind that?
0: Like, is this a testosterone, Is this a hormonal shift that occurs? Because we've actually spoken about this a lot. Like, yeah, it seems like a lot of women that are kind of in our age group and kind of like settled into relationships. It's like everything started out, it was like super passionate, super like steamy. And now it's just kind of like, not that the love isn't there it's just like maybe trans it just isn't so right. necessary and to things always. change and but things i wonder change, why i'm yes, always exactly. specifically
1: hearing that men yes. have lost interest and exactly. it's young men in yes. their 20s and their 30s Sure, true it's very interesting because i also
0: me. have heard that women are in their sexual prime in their 30s is that true those are two those are a couple questions for you girls several
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> have you heard any of
0: this
3: I mean, one of my main teachers, whose name is Michaela Baum, talks a lot about long-term desire in monogamous relationships and how to sustain it. And the basic situation for long-term couples is that when you first get together, and I think this is fairly common knowledge by now because it's been talked about in a lot of Psychology Today articles and whatnot. Girl,
0: ain't nobody got time for psychology today. I don't know. That's, That's why we're here for you. We're here <laughs> for you to tell us the shit. Like, who's reading that? I guess let me go pick I up my copy.
3: Everyone's reading that <laughs> and whole their while they're checking out if they're getting strawberries or whatever. That's not okay. me. <laughs> so, all right, no one reads psychology I'm looking at today. the snacks. Um, well, basically, in infatuation, period, you are kind of high on your own brain chemicals to a certain degree. Mm. So, you're producing a lot of neurochemicals, dopamine and oxytocin that are designed. To motivate you to seek out that partner and mm. to have sex with them, and it's 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 kind of comparable to almost what you would feel on on actual drugs, like cocaine type of feeling. Mm. Where I mean, and everyone's felt that probably, where it just feels super intense. You cannot get this person off your mind. You know, obsessive thinking. Oh yeah, you're you phoning with you them, them every that. second. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. You're on. Your your senses are heightened feel like you're on top of the world the air smells good you know you're you're in an altered twitter painted twitter painted exactly yeah you're right and then eventually you switch (sighs) to what psychologists call pair bonding where a lot of those initial super super high chemicals wear off but you get a longer term bond. This is if it goes well in, in married people, hopefully by <laughs> right. <as> well. Where. <laughs> <laughs> this is if it goes well. I love it. <laughs> this is if it goes well, right? And so you start to find out if you're actually compatible with the person on mm. a very brass tacks level. So. Do you share enough interests that there are enough things that you both want to do on the weekend that you would like to spend time? Are your values aligned enough that you can potentially raise children or run a household or share finances in a way where you're not fighting constantly all the time? Mm-hmm. And this has to do with similarity. So you have to be pretty similar in order to really share a life together. Mm-hmm. So the unfortunate kind of fact of sexual attraction is that it's actually not based on similarity per se based on difference. So it's kind of like the ends of magnets mm-hmm. or a positive you know positive and negative pole. which is why you hear about these couples who kind of fight constantly, but then have really hot makeup sex. Mm-hmm. But if you're just really similar and you start wearing the same running shoes and they're your best friend and you do everything together and you spend no time apart, it starts to kind of feel more like your siblings or you're sort of merged and that yeah. the, the difference that initially created that sort of attraction can sort of rub off. Mm. So, and in our society.
0: So interesting, right? Yeah, girl. Geez. I know, I'm right. very Tell fixated more. right now.
3: time right? mean, more. <laughs> so, right. So in our society, we also have this expectation that couples will get together and move in together and spend most of their time together and be most of each other's emotional support and that they will increasingly become more and more insular and you know we don't have well especially actually this is true mostly of white people uh, various (laughs) communities of color have have more of an extended family structure right where they have their mom around or One of my friends is Japanese and was raised in a multifamily household. So there's more sort of variety in who you're connecting with. But if it's just you and that one person, Mm -hmm. it can basically just come to a point where there's just not enough of that sort of difference happening and not enough of an excitement that you feel sexually motivated, but you still love the person. Mm -hmm. And in fact, it's the similarities that made you fit so well together that are actually causing you to not Want as much sex, so mm. it's a bit catch twenty-two. Yeah, and so humans are so. So you got to find someone
1: who you kind of hate.
0: Yeah, I mean that's why no, I'm no, 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 i no. was fighting. someone's bickering?
3: Don't make this. The, the solution is to intentionally do things separately yeah. and have. Interests that don't involve your partner, mm-hmm. and spend time apart, and take a vacation where the person isn't around, and let yourself miss them, oh, and the l- do things together that are not familiar, right? Mm-hmm. So in order to in order to be sexually aroused, we need a certain amount of what's called sympathetic nervous system arousal, which is uh, basically fight or flight, right? Mm. You need you need to be a little on edge, like for instance, um, I like in the psychology. Bad
0: Right? Yes. That's why like every yeah, girl exactly. like, like wants the bad boys at a certain point in time. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Right. You know, your head is saying, No, bitch, you know better. Don't do this shit, but you're like, Oh, but it's hot he's just fucking hot. <laughs> oh yeah, and
3: I mean the same is true for men. They're always what's that saying? Um fast hat the, cra- the crazy girls are getting better. I don't know what oh, you no, know, I think uh, it's a thing that's But
0: Fast horse. wait, what is it? Horses? No, slow horses and fast women. Kevin has Kevin has this poster. There's this saying that I guess that that men say. It's really funny once you start to learn about men <laughs> that slow horses and fast women are like the two things that will like kill you at the end. Because like if you're a betting man, then a slow horse. It's you know if you bet against a slow That's horse. That's hilarious. Or a fast woman because she moves too fucking fast. She'll kill your ass. You know. So yeah. That's amazing. Slow right, horses I, and fast women.
3: Yeah, men also. Ladies, love we all these learned something today. Shit. When I heard yeah. that, I was like mind blown. Super volatile women can't really necessarily keep their life in order, but they're just all over the place, and then notoriously the sex is hot, but those aren't the type of people you really usually end up marrying, Mm. right? And so, I think if you don't want to be in a cycle where you're forever dating a bad boy or a girl who's a little unhinged, you have to intentionally... (laughs) Or a man that's a little unhinged. (laughs) Or a man that's a little unhinged. You have to intentionally create situations as a long-term couple where you, A, Difference from each other. Mm -hmm. So, cultivating parts of yourself that are not linked to the partner, Mm -hmm. and B, doing things that are exciting and novel and weird. Yeah. Right. So, there's a psychology study, for instance, called the Shaky Bridge Study, where they put there were two bridges. One is a low bridge, and one and it was very stable, and the other is it was this super high bridge that was swaying in the wind and looked pretty dangerous. So. They put a female, um, what they call a confederate in psychology, a woman who is part of the study but no one knows, kind mm. of like a secret spy in psychology. Mm. So they put both of them on the bridges, and they had the, the men, and they had men go across the bridges and fill out questionnaires on the bridges, and then at the end, the female confederate offered her number to the guys. So on the high up bridge, way more <laughs> men took her number and called because they, they, their nervous system was, they were experiencing a little bit of fight or flight from being oh, afraid. Oh, so they were like, That's they were crazy. feeling themselves.
0: They were like, let me call this girl. So like, I could so, do but this. They,
3: yeah. So they attributed it to sexual arousal. It yeah. was the exact same woman. Yeah. Different bridge, same woman, different behavior, right? Yeah. So... Unfortunately, it it does become sort of a circular thing because you're not getting those super motivating neurochemicals. So you sort of have to hijack your own nervous system and just say, okay, I might not really feel like I want to do this, but I'm going to take action that makes me want to, Mm. which is creating space and doing novel things that your nervous system, our nervous system as animals is wired to go towards something that's novel and new. We uh, we have approach behavior, in other words, we think that we should go and kind of inspect and figure out mm-hmm. things that we don't quite understand because there might be some reward in there, like food or sex or a new mate, or you know, that's how we're evolutionarily wired. So you have to create mm-hmm. situations as a couple where you're experiencing something that your animal nervous system goes like, "Huh, oh, what is this? Like, let's go over there." Right? It yeah. sort of creates that that wanting behavior.
0: Right. Oh my god.
3: Yeah. So I think <sighs> that so the problem great. is. The problem is that we just get don't talk about this stuff. We, yeah, yeah, you get comfortable, get comfortable and the comfort
0: is good, right? You want to be comfortable. Yeah, especially these days. We're all sitting around and
3: doing shit. <laughs> like, what's the last new thing that you did? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I mean, I think it's actually relatively simple, but it's just counterintuitive to the way that our sort of narrative as a culture is. We just think that, oh, you find your person, you get along great, you marry happily ever after dot end of story yeah like that's where the story ends but right. that's actually not at all where the story is then then you have the task of maintaining interest well for sure
0: and that's why people I mean mm-hmm. that's not why people have midlife crises but I always joke like you know you really need to be a, a hoe before you settle down like you everybody needs to get that <laughs> shit out of their system like explore different things like do you know what I mean Like get that kind of curiosity out of you so that kind of reverse of what you're saying because then you need to be able to settle down and know that like every hot guy that approaches you like you've been there you've done that or hot girl whatever like you know what that little game is like mm-hmm. so that you can go back home but then you got to turn around and make shit fun for them too <laughs> you got to turn around and make things like cool. exciting right. again
3: <laughs> so it all seems yeah. new and novel oh totally and I think this comes down to something we were actually discussing recently Elizabeth where The act of generating one's own arousal or interest or attention I think is becoming increasingly difficult for people because we live in a world where our attention, we're consuming attention, we're consuming arousal, we're consuming interest, right? Mm. Everything around us is designed to get us to pay attention. Attention is a really hot commodity right now. So how can we create an app or a TV show or a billboard or whatever it is that causes people to pay attention because usually where attention goes, money follows. Yeah. And so we really are used to stimuli, you know, video games and porn and basically everything in our environment is designed to stimulate our nervous system's attention in a way that feels really good. Mm-hmm. It's very different. And that's what it—that's what happens when you're in that phase you just described where you're dating a ton of new people all the time. And your attention is naturally being evoked because they're new and novel and everything is bizarre and you yeah. have no idea what they smell like or what they look <laughs> like and are they secretly psycho? Who knows, right? right? You know? Like Everything's bizarre. I love lying? what you said. Right? <laughs> and also, and, and, right. and you know, your attention, and, your attention and arousal and interest are kind of naturally still trying to figure it out. One of my favorite quotes from Emily Nagoski, who wrote a bunch of books um, on sex that are amazing, one of them, Come As You Are, she says that, if you view your partner, this isn't her exact wording, but if you are if you maintain curiosity about your partner, then they become someone who can never be uninteresting because they have this fathomless hidden depth. And that's what we do on dates is we, we ask a lot of questions we get to know the person right and people just stop doing that after a while and mm-hmm. and really usually there is kind of almost an endlessness to how well you can get to know a person yeah but we stop doing that behavior we stop going and on a date and not just asking about you know shared responsibilities like the dogs and the bills and whatever but something right. that you don't know about your partner there's something that you don't know oh yeah there and and they're new every day yeah. They, they they change the way they look, little differences. They're, we're a perpetually evolving creatures that are constantly new and we change. And but people don't bring that interest, that curiosity about and so it's kind of a skill that people need to develop is yeah. how do I continue to be curious, interested, excited in my partner. But right. it takes generating that yourself rather than just waiting for it to fall on you from the sky, Mm -hmm. which is what we're kind of used to right now in our cultures. Oh, I'm just kind of expecting for my environment to make me interested in it. Yeah. Well, and also the environment
0: does make you interested in it because, like, right, if you don't look at your phone for so often something will pop up on it to, like, bring you interested back, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, Instagram, like, Facebook. And and now, like, you know, these days most of us – I've probably seen that fucking documentary. So we know that that is like also stimulating us in a new and different way consistently the way that probably like you were saying in terms of psychologically just like stimuli, period, whether it's I mean, right. Yeah, I think so. That's all that that we want as animals is being stimulated and like Mm -hmm. pleasured in different ways. Exactly. But it's like a ping totally. on the fucking. So I guess that brings us. So this to is the what I'm going to tell my
1: clients now. <laughs> well,
0: that's kind oh, yeah. of. One... <laughs> I want to bring up the next point. Is like online dating. Is I think that's something that like you and I really haven't. You and I, Alex, haven't really. Yeah, we kind of done. Missed it. We kind of missed it because we've been with our partner. We're fucking a hundred. We've been with our partners <laughs> for so long, but it's something that I think is like my partner and I talk about it often, just because it's. We've never experienced it, but we see it happening around us. And to him, he's like, yo, if this was around when I was a kid, like, this is all that I would have done. Are you kidding me? Like, you had to actually go and talk to women before. You had to, like, get up the courage to speak to a woman and, like, take that rejection if she gave you that rejection. And he was like, a lot of guys, like were ne- like, never really got girls because – they never got a chance. Like, they were just never that guy. Like, they couldn't really go over and talk to people. And probably the same thing with women. Like, a lot of people aren't, like, <laughs> you and Alex and I will just fucking talk to anybody. <laughs> but what I hear from girls often, often, often is that it's – the apps have changed dating in a way that it's made people less interested in – in that it's, like, kind of like a game. It's just a matter of, like, swiping left, swiping right, seeing who the next person is that I can see. People are ghosting each other because, like, ghosting kind of always existed, yes, but just, like, you know, there's no need for connection, or I guess maybe it's easier to disconnect from somebody, or maybe you're not connecting enough with somebody, so the disconnection is easy i don't know, but <laughs> yeah, I, like all of our girls are talking to us about this, just about how like online dating has really just changed the game. I can't say for the better or for the worse, it sounds terrible, I'm not gonna lie. But I'd like to explore that with you a little bit. Yeah,
3: I think I think you're exactly spot on. Esther Perel has a really moving video about this on the Internet. And maybe we can link it in the show notes where she talks about ghosting. And apparently there's these other things like icing, chilling, where you keep someone at a Mm -hmm, distance. mm -hmm. But you don't tell them that it's over. But you just say, oh, I'm not ready right now. But maybe in the future, putting them on ice. Let me ice you for later. Yeah, and then and then so people are in this kind of perpetual limbo where, you know, maybe the person is doing this to several people, just kind of seeing, keeping their options open. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then oh well, yeah, you know, maybe in the future, but not right now. But you know, just ice you and ghost you. And she she was talk. She said very plainly that she thinks there's been a decline in empathy in our society, and mm-hmm. that it's a problem. And I agree. There is something that has happened where we have begun to view each other as consumable goods almost. And because of the screen and people putting up a lot of images and everyone is, for myself, I also grew up uh, right on the border of worlds, if you will. I was in high school before cell phones were prevalent and I watched as the internet happened and you know yeah being in middle school and going on AOL chat and right oh, yeah, girl, it's a totally it's a different world we're in this day <laughs> we're, we're in this age where, we, where we've witnessed where we've spent half of our life in one world and half of our life in the other yeah. and for me I'm listening to you know more talk about people people's brands but it's not just if you run a company it's kind of you're you have you are a brand in general right your whole persona is a brand your Instagram represents a self that you are putting out there into the universe that isn't quite you. It's not not you. We're always selling ourselves and we're consuming each other, right? It's become a selling and consuming thing. And we treat people whom we have monetary interactions with or interactions about selling and buying goods a lot different than we treat someone who we have an intimate relationship with. Yet the lines between those things are becoming very fuzzy. Mm -hmm. And we are in a place I think where those behaviors of ghosting and just treating other people as as a disposable good are are really increasing it's super sad and I think part of it is exactly what you said Elizabeth maybe they didn't connect that much to begin with mm-hmm. and it, it's exactly what it links to our last conversation is it's great and I think it's there are some great things about online dating where for instance people who wouldn't necessarily run across each other in real life. Like maybe people from different socioeconomic classes or races or interest groups or, you know, there's a lot of crossover in who you can meet and who you can mesh with. Right. At this, so that's good. But
0: at the same time, it's overwhelming. It's just like so much information mm-hmm. and so many faces yeah. and so many people. It's like, how do seems you seems very scary? Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting because even like we reach out to a lot of people online, especially to get people, you know, to invite people onto the show and to get try and get into people's DMs. And I realize like I'm nobody and I see how much bullshit like try comes my way. So I'm like, imagine if you have 500,000 followers, 100,000 followers and like people are reaching out to you do you know it's like the Golden Globes are happening right now so maybe this is a good analogy it's like do you really believe that like these are the only best pictures that there are in the whole world you don't believe that, like do you like I fully believe that there's somebody that doesn't have the money somewhere out there that is sitting on like the best screenplay or like the best book or the best song. I think about that all the the best whatever. But Mm -hmm. they can't get through, right? Like they can't break through to like whoever it is that needs to hear them because there's just so many people. Like how do you do that? So in terms of dating or in terms of connecting with somebody in the sea, God. I don't know how people do it. Like, thank God that we literally touch people for a living. Like, I'm wearing PPE these days, but it's like, (laughs) it's a human connection. You know, I I feel very, on one hand, I feel very disconnected from, like, the connections that other people have. Because, like, social media, I do it because I have to for the business, but I don't, I'm not really immersed in it. Like, I'm not on Slack. I don't. Just work from home, like, you know, especially, I guess, these days, I feel very lucky to still be able to get up and, like, see people and go into people's homes and have them come to, like, for True sure. Beauty, which is, like, our home.
1: Yeah, I know. It's funny. It's, like, I do feel like there are people I know who are, like, craving, you know, can't wait to hang out. And it's not that I, I'm i not excited to. Of course I am. But I'm also, like, I'm very social every single day. <laughs> every day. you know, so many people. Like, I... I'm still tired at the end of the work day because I've talked to so many people.
0: Right. So yeah, it's different, you know, yeah, than like totally. people I know
1: who are stuck at home.
0: I know.
3: So Chelsea, what's the answer? Well, <laughs> I think, I think it's, yeah, the answer is the skills of intimacy and learning the skills of intimacy. So you guys sort of have to do that for your job because a, you're sitting in a room with someone for, I don't know, 15 minutes to three hours. And you have learned the skills of how to, A, make this person comfortable Mm -hmm. and create some sense of, you know, a professional level of intimacy. B, figure out how to ask the person questions and make it interesting, just like we were talking about in a relationship. Mm -hmm. How do you generate something between you two that would make an hour of your life something that is more pleasant for both of you than it would be if you just sat there in silence, right? So you're forced to do these things. You're forced to retain the skills that we all used to have to have to interact with other humans. Like you said, you used to have to go up to a stranger and talk to them. And you guys do that every single day. Or you develop relationships and you go through that process where, okay, Elizabeth, you've been doing my facial for four years. So what can we talk about this time, right? What's interesting? How do I maintain interest after I get to know someone all the ordinary questions are not there you know we've gone right. through that now what right now how do we make it fun right um otherwise you'll be bored out of your minds and hate your job right. so, you're, you're <laughs> so you're forced to do these things yeah and you're forced to figure out subtle things about the interaction between two bodies that make intimacy mm-hmm. how do i move my body and move my eyes and make eye contact or not make eye contact and notice subtle cues about this person's body, that tell me if they're uncomfortable or not, mm-hmm. or how relaxed they are. Mm-hmm. You don't probably don't realize that you're doing this, but you're probably noticing. Oh, are they breathing shallow or deep? How relaxed is their body? There's probably a moment in a facial when you realize, and you just know that your client chills the fuck out, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. You yeah. you learn to read people's bodies, and you learn to sort of do this dance of intimacy with people. Right. And that is exactly what you were saying. People have forgotten how to do Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Is If we're not required to do it, and we're just gonna get served up a seemingly satisfying array of new faces and people that we then don't have to put too much energy and investment into, why develop those skills? Mm -hmm. The problem is, people are feeling the lack of it, right? It's not just women, I've talked to men too who say that they want to have a relationship But they go on dating apps and they don't feel like people are truly available for basic connection. Mm. And the thing is, it's because, as I was just talking about in terms of creating curiosity and interest long term, intimacy and connection are a skill set. It's just not a skill set that we think about being a skill set. Right. <laughs> right yeah we think just like sexual attraction we think it's gonna fall on our heads from out of the sky mm-hmm. and that's what we see in the movies oh you meet someone and then you just connect but why did you just connect well it's because you made eye contact you asked questions yeah. you notice the subtle signs that their body was sending that convey their emotions and you respond to those with empathy you responded to them in a way that makes them feel cared for noticed that it shows that you're curious, mm-hmm. that shows that you're aware, right? We do all this stuff. Either we do it or we don't do it. And neither in neither case do we usually realize that we're doing right. it or not doing it, right? <laughs> right, right. But um, I mean, this is again something I learned from Michaela Boehm, and this has been something that's guided my life. And I think that I really wish we taught this stuff in school. Yeah. How, reading emotions, totally.
0: reading body language. Yes. How do you get to know someone? Yes. What's a good question? Basic social skills. So many people are socially awkward, and it's getting. You're yeah. absolutely right. It's getting worse and worse. Alex and I talk about it. Like mm-hmm. it's very interesting, and you're absolutely right. It and didn't... maybe it is
1: the younger generation too, yes. which makes sense. We, Mar- have, to, we okay. have to
0: move people through the space. When people walk into true beauty and it's funny because when you first started working here, I was like, look, you're going to see you have to control the environment. You have to control the movement. You have to say, come in here, stand here, put your coat here, come lay here, head goes here, close. Exactly. And if you don't. It's hilarious the way that things will go. Yeah, people I'm just like, there. Have
1: you, and then this is pre-COVID, where I'm and just yeah, like, "Have you never gone anywhere ever? <laughs> like, other like- than your home?" <laughs> or just remember, I had a, I had a client not too long ago. She's very sweet, <laughs> but she was like 20 years old, 21, 22, very early 20s. I couldn't tell if maybe she was 12 because of her social skills. Yes. But I do wonder if that's like, yeah, you're very young. You were raised through the internet. Yes. Raised through the internet. And I, you know, I can't help but blame it on that. That like <laughs> everything in your life has been done through the internet. So maybe when you were in these like unnatural social interactions, like you're getting your eyebrows done, you don't know how to right. how to act. Right. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting.
1: Which makes sense with dating and every, just yeah, everything. Yeah, everything. Just, yeah. acts like you've been somewhere,
0: but people don't go anywhere.
1: How are you going to go get some dick?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know? Or badge,
3: Or whatever, whatever, it, is whatever like. it is that you like. <laughs> whatever your right. pleasure. I mean, I think people are getting that, both varieties, because a lot of people are doing casual sex, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if you lose track of how to do intimacy and then you come to an age where you do start wanting it, it then becomes very painful for people. Being
0: Mm -hmm. naked with somebody does not make intimacy. As I say, look, I had a friend and this is the goddamn truth. And I think all three, everybody in this room is going to agree. So I had this friend who, for religious reasons, didn't live with her partner before they got married. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, girl you guys about to become real intimate. And she said, Oh my God, intimacy. That sounds so like adults. And I said, girl, intimacy is taking a shit over your partner's shit in the morning because there's one toilet and you married now. That is being, that is intimacy. You don't do that with a stranger. Do you know what I mean? You don't do that with a friend. You do that with your partner because that is getting to know that is true intimacy. <laughs> and I'm not saying that's like that level, but like being naked, I'm saying like having sex with somebody is not intimacy. Just like being naked and going through the motions just because like their parts were in your parts. That is not intimacy. It can be intimate. Yes. But like true intimacy is like so much deeper than that. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it you're saying you give the shit get in front of somebody else. Right. <laughs> the first fucking date. Or like, yeah. can they at least flush before you? <laughs> you made it seem like there's poop on poop. I'm talking about the smell. I'm talking about going into the bathroom and you just know what they just did. Oh yeah. But you still have to go anyway because there's one bathroom and it's the morning and shit's got to get done after this. I'm <laughs> no. not a morning pooper, so. <laughs> All right, but you're a morning. Sh- look, you know what I mean. Don't I know, I don't know what I mean? I know Especially I Alex and I are truly, truly into making so you look at each other. <laughs> you know. And true beauty. It's hard because there's not great ventilation it's in here. It's so tiny in here. So poop, poop, it's tiny in here. It's like you're pooping together. We are intimate, and yet we've never had sex. Do you see? Those are two different <gasps> types so of intimacy.
3: True. It's
1: so true. Do you
0: see? It's true. People out there. But this is so
1: very interesting. <laughs> like, <I> th- <laughs> if you were wondering if we're friends in real life. Okay. Yes. So. Um, Intimacy is very... It's very interesting. Yes. All of this is very interesting to me. I'm trying to think of other things that, like, clients got, have... But well, wait, seen. let me clarify something here oh, before, yes. we,
3: before we wrap up this topic. It's yes. not that dating apps are inherently bad, and it's certainly not that casual sex is inherently bad. That I is know, not... No, casual true. sex is the best. My, I don't do it anymore. Right,
0: of, I don't do right. it anymore. <laughs> but I used to do it a lot.
3: Best, <laughs> one of my best friends, Dr. Jana, has a whole casual sex project, and she's studied casual sex in her PhD. And found that there's a lot of just really beautiful things that happen in casual sex that can happen. So none of that is bad. But what the problem is, is if you lose track of how to do something else. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to say that. And and also, like you guys said, there are so many different kinds of intimacy. There's the intimacy of sharing your morning toilet. There's the (laughs) intimacy of marriage, where you have to then create some novelty and some mm-hmm. interest and some weirdness. There's the intimacy of best friendship where you don't have sex with the person, but you feel closer to them than your husband sometimes. There's the intimacy of a casual sex encounter where you don't really care what they think. So you can be a part of yourself that you can't even show to your husband or your best friend. Mm-hmm. It's a part of you that's just weird and wild. Mm-hmm. and You don't even know if you really like this, but you're trying it on facade Right. And you do just show up with a big name. I mean, that's intimacy too, right? There's that's all these true. types of intimacy. It's only if we lose track of the very basic skills of in person intimacy that this stuff becomes a problem. Yeah. Yeah. So I just wanted to say that before we move on because because there's there's these very divided camps and I think that there's a like a lacking of nuance that's happening where on one hand people are saying that, you know, you can't talk about the problematic nature of of porn, of of dating apps, of modern um, casual sex increases of anything like that because it would be sex negative. On the other hand, you have people who are freaking out, talking about sex addiction, saying we're in an epidemic of, of epic proportions, and you know this is the end of the world. So I right. think a more nuanced discussion is really important, just mm-hmm. being able to talk about the pros and cons yeah. of what's going on, 100%. and being able to do things in in a way that's healthy for you. Like yes. these things don't have to do much, but they will if we don't use them in a way that's helpful, just like anything, right? It could yes. be, you could drink a glass of wine and it could be helpful or you could be a total alcoholic. Totally. Unhelpful, right? Mm, it's about analogy. the way we interact yes. with these things that are happening in our lives. And they're so new that we haven't really figured it out in the society. Right. I mean, like people used to smoke cigarettes and think, but all, the, all day and think this is a great idea and nothing's wrong. Right. right. Then we figured out, okay, cigarettes are not so great. And, I'm not saying that these things are like cigarettes, but we just haven't figured out there's not enough time that we know. Because we don't talk about it, especially
0: as Americans. God forbid, man, especially as women – God forbid us three women talking about sex freely. Look at this. God, one, true. you know, it's only like within the last like 20 years that, it, that it was, it, it's been okay. Do you know what I mean? That isn't like, Oh my God, did you hear this like super secret podcast? They had a sex ed therapist on like, do you know, it's only it's so, true. so new that we can have these conversations, but I want to talk about, I want to, segue this into the next point because this is one of the reasons that I was so excited to have Chelsea on. We kind of spoke about this the other day. So I was listening to this podcast with this male comedian that I've listened to for a long time and he self-admittedly used to say like really misogynist things and has since come around and one of the things he was saying on his podcast this past week was Do you know I had a female listener write in and she said I love this listener. So if you're out there girl spread write it to us. <laughs> She's so dope. She said look I'm hot. I work for my, like, I have my own job. I have my own money. My friends are hot. They have their own jobs. They have their own money. We're all single. We would love to meet a man who isn't addicted to porn and video games. And I was just like, hmm, okay. But the host was like, I said, touche, because to him, he. <laughs> opened up my mind to this world of porn, online porn, I guess, the way that like men see online porn in which like, I think porn is fine. But what this guy went on to say was he believes that porn addiction is going to go down in history. Like in the future, we're going to look at this and say the decline of maybe like intimacy among men in this generation was beca- due to like online porn. And one of the things that he said was, You know, I stopped watching porn and suddenly, you know, I saw the world in a different way. Suddenly, every girl who walked past the construction site, I wasn't thinking, oh, my God, are all those guys going to fuck her? Suddenly, like every woman that I saw walking in front of me, I wasn't thinking about, like, sticking my dick in her mouth. (laughs) And to me, I was so shocked to hear this that literally, literally the person behind me in line had to be like, miss, miss, they're calling you. (laughs) They're calling you to step forward and pay for your thing. Like, oh my God, sorry. I was shocked. Porn is I was, crazy. Oh, no, I was just so shocked. I didn't realize that, like, this is the way that, like, a lot of men see the world. It just never occurred to me because, like, I – okay, I've been with my partner for 13 years. Like, yes, once a month we like to get fucking crazy and, like, stay up all night watching porn, doing the nasty, having our crazy night, right? I never thought that this was, like – an issue among men. And the more people I say to this, one, women are like, bitch, I had no idea. Men are like, yeah, girl, that's true. It's definitely
1: I have known this. I mean, only because from talking, I think, to clients Mm -hmm. and to friends. And also, maybe this comes back to like, clients being like, yeah, you know, this guy was so, like when we first started dating, he was so into me sexually. And now, like we don't really have sex. Maybe that's part of it. It could play a role. And that's kind of why I wanted Um, to bring it up
0: because I think that this might be a bigger problem that maybe like us, a lot of us don't realize us as women like don't realize it's going on, and the other yeah. side is like it's possible. I mean, my husband and
1: I we both we literally have an iPad, like our old iPad that's just for watching porn. Oh my god, because we're never like get it's that iPad. fine. What if I just went over. Myself? No, <laughs> it's just old. It it's that like first generation <laughs> iPad. We usually watch the it porn separate. pad. You know, that's what we call it. The porn pad. But. <laughs> It's something that we both know we do, and it's fine and it's whatever. And I've never felt like for either of us that it's gotten in the way of things. Right. We're if I'm positive on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> if I yeah. did, I mean, that would really suck. But I can see how someone, especially maybe like even slightly younger people who really out. had access to porn on the internet from like day one of yes. when they were interested in yes. sex.
3: Yeah. Yeah. This is a huge topic. There's a lot of different narratives going on about it. I think, you know, there's this whole no-fap movement about men who decide no porn and reduce masturbation. There's been uh, new categories created by the APA about porn addiction and video game addiction, actually, that are actually technically categories that are being considered by the American Psychological Association as addiction categories. Mm -hmm. And then there's sexual scientists who are saying that this is not true. This is not an addiction. It doesn't qualify for X, Y, and Z reasons. There's a whole ton of literature on what qualifies as addiction. Is it about dopamine responses? Is it about reward and cues? And is it about other dysfunctional side effects? You know, what, what, how do we define it? What is it? of? And that is a discussion for, you know, clinicians probably. But, and, and it's an ongoing topic that I can't, I don't have a personal stance on, you know, does this exist? Does it not? Does it qualify? What I can say that I do, you know, notice is that, like we were just talking about with dating apps and a lot of other things, that, you know, there is sometimes a lack of nuanced discussion on how this may be affecting us, right? Mm-hmm. So I think what you guys just described, it sounds like you all have a positive relationship with this. You're doing your one glass of wine once in a while, you know what I mean? And sounds like there is no shame, which is really good and really healthy. And I think, you know, we were kind of talking about this as donuts the other day, right? Oh, yeah. Like if, you, <laughs> if you eat a donut, if you're mostly eating healthy and then you eat a donut every once in a while, then, you know, probably not going to kill you and your life is going to be richer because donuts taste great. And mm-hmm. if you eat one with your partner, it might be romantic and fun. And, however, if you are hiding in the closet, binge eating donuts because you're afraid your partner <laughs> might notice, and then you're not hungry for regular food anymore, that could be a problem, right? So- That's I, a great I, analogy. <laughs>
1: That is great. So good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I love so, it. Um, right. Whether I, it can be categorized as an addiction or not, I guess, isn't the point. It's more right, like, is this point. becoming a problem right. for your it's
3: relationship? It a problem. Right.
0: right. Yeah, or if you're your non-relationship.
3: And for your ability to date and, and whatnot. And I mean, I think it kind of falls under the same category as dating apps in a certain sense, where if you're getting this really easy reward, really without effort and you don't have to develop skills to get it it might change your behavior in some ways and you could potentially lose track of the skills that you did need to get the thing Mm -hmm. but also what I think about porn is that the main thing that I do think is undoubtedly an issue that cannot be debated is this Porn represents a very mostly unrealistic take on what sex is. Mm. So, for instance, men—I in my in my job, I work for a sex educator kind of play. He is famous for talking about his average-sized cock, <laughs> and the reason why this is so revolutionary—you know—and how you can be a great lover with an average-sized cock. And we go through—I just finished editing a book for him. We went through pages and pages looking at stats on what is an average sized penis because people only see the kind of Michael Jordan equivalent of penises on porn mm-hmm. and they're shot <laughs> from very specific <laughs> angles and they're on a bunch of Viagra, right? Yeah. And they're the close up on the dick. And, and women also don't realize that men are having massive anxiety about their genitals in epic proportions mm-hmm. because all they see uh, Kenneth always said, it's like trying to learn to drive by watching The Fast and the Furious. It's
0: a very... It's a very... <laughs> it's like learning how to drive by watching The Fast and the Furious. It's so true. It's so good because it's so true. Imagine watching that and they're like, here are the keys, now go. <laughs> But you're right.
3: Yeah. No, exactly. So you guys are married. You have a great sex life probably, I think, because I know both of you and you're both awesome women. And (laughs) you you seem generally happy or maybe, you know, I don't know what your personal lives are, but it sounds like you're doing well. And then you're adding something to that. So you and your partners have this realistic expectation of what sex looks like, what sex looks like in a long-term relationship, what someone's body looks like, Mm -hmm. what someone's body looks like year by year, Mm -hmm. when they're 20s, in their 30s, when they're PMSing and bloated, when they're not and the human body the, and, the, and human sex when you're in a bad mood, when you're in a good mood when it's intimate, when it's weird, when you're drunk when you're not, right? It doesn't have any of that it just has actors that look a very specific way most of whom have a lot of plastic surgery or who are already on a very very small percentage of the genetic population being altered by lights cameras, a bunch of drugs that make you hard
1: maybe phenol uh, bleach and,
3: <laughs> yeah, anal bleach, yeah. plastic jobs yeah. um labiaplasty jesus mm-hmm. yes yeah labiaplasty is on the rise because there Born. is a very specific type of vulva that is portrayed which women feel like they have to live up to and it's very That's sad really because sad. You not, i i personally think um you know genital innervation is very important and the potential to alter that through surgery is high i don't think it's worth it but um guys we see a lot but, of vaginas
0: uh, but, on the daily they, they all, all look gorgeous. different and they're all gorgeous keep your individual vagina
3: I guess that's why I never
1: feel insecure about, like, my butthole or my vagina. I no, see so many. See so I'm like, many. it's normal. Okay. All, yeah, exactly. Right? And, yeah.
3: and that's the thing we were also talking about is if this is balanced out by seeing real-life sex – then it would not be so problematic. But we also live in a society where people have often not seen anyone have sex but themselves.
2: Mm -hmm. They,
3: you know, I mean, so people go to sex parties, I've gone to a lot of sex parties, I've seen a lot of people having sex, a lot of different bodies, a lot of different types of humans, a lot of different types of sex, but people generally don't engage in that because it's we think it's super weird. So the only sex they're seeing is either them or porn. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's so you get this idea to the of point that if you is. See somebody
0: else that isn't a porn star. You feel so weird about it. Oh my God, I saw them having sex. And it's like, think however you want about that. But you're absolutely right. right. Because it's like the idea of watching somebody have sex that isn't in porn or isn't like in a movie, which that isn't even real is shocking. Yeah, exactly. It, it,
3: it's hysterical because I mean, I'm with Madonna on this one. She said, um, when people were when people were critiquing her for her videos being too sexual, she's like, and trying to censor her, she goes, "Sure, censor me, but you should also censor all of this horrific, gory violence that's on TV. If you're gonna censor some like some sexual content, you should censor all of this blood and guts and guns and shooting that is mm-hmm. all over the media all the time." And I find it so i that bodies we live in a all society
0: the time, Yeah. You, you don't see two bodies blood. having sex.
3: Yes, you're flooded with images of violence, and that is so fine in video games where people are shooting each other, and it's so normal, and that's just what we're and we don't censor that. But when it comes to sex, it seems there is so much shame and this feeling that it would be so immoral to ever watch what is just a normal human bodily function between two people that is pleasurable. That's
0: true. That everybody, like from the age of like 16 (laughs) forward, wants (laughs) on Earth. But like nobody's allowed to talk about it or see it. Wow. That just kinda blew my mind. Yeah. That's kind of insane.
3: Exactly. Don't talk about it. Yeah, it's like Santa
0: Claus for adults. Don't talk about don't talk about it. Don't look at it. Oh wow. That's fucked up.
3: yeah, and then it's problematic because like we were talking about too, porn is what becomes a lot of people's sex education. So yeah, you, man. it's like if you're trying to learn to ride a bicycle and then the only thing you could do is buy a book about how to ride a bicycle. But And so you're trying to look at this book and there's some diagrams about right. riding a bike. But, but you can't go and watch other people ride bikes. They are like your friends. And no one's going to hold you up while you try to get on this bike and start right. steering. Right, right. And you... And so you're like trying to wobbling around and looking at the book, trying to see like "Hmm." and then someone else is in the same situation and they're trying to learn to ride a bike and then the only video you can see is like a high-powered motorcycle. So that's basically (laughs) the situation with some sort of like like backflip. Yeah. So that's the situation that is kind of happening, right? And so it's not that porn is bad.
0: There's just nothing else to show this thing. Yes. Yeah right
3: and then you could become sort of act like you get used to this sort of high stimuli high sensory experience that can potentially reduce your ability to detect the subtle cues that you need to be a good lover so being a good lover requires exactly the same skills that we just talked about with intimacy you have to be able to notice really subtle, nuanced things about what your partner's body is doing, the differences between various kinds of noises that they make, how micro movements of their breath, of their hands, of their feet, of their body, of their facial expressions, micro expressions, and be able to calibrate with them and dance with them and know how to move with them and and touch them and be with them in a way that opens their body and opens their heart and makes them feel pleasure Mm -hmm. and if you're used to stimuli that's sort of like you're at a kiss concert and then you try to go to a library Mm -hmm. (laughs) you might not really be able to hear it anymore you could get so used to this high stimuli fast and furious type of thing that you lose track of the subtleties of the Mm -hmm. really nuanced things that being a good lover requires and Mm -hmm. like putting in effort I guess (laughs)
0: Exactly. And well, and- putting in effort, but I think well for sure it's because you and I talk about this, like how women say that like they're all out there sucking dick, but no like no men are out there like eating pussy. And it's like that's a subtlety of being a good lover. It's actually not very subtle. It's, it's actually <laughs> <Yeah>. you know <laughs> But you're absolutely right. Is it like if you never see that in porn, right? If you're only watching like this one thing that's just like the guy goes and then he fucking explodes, then you're never gonna think to do then he and then he, Right. But you're never gonna think like, Oh, maybe I should Check, checking on this person that's beneath yeah, and if, me. Yeah, <laughs> and if you're not talking about it
1: with friends, if yeah, you're, at the very least, right? Like, how else do you learn stuff? I guess, or right?
3: Yeah, stuff out. How else do you learn stuff? Yeah,
0: and, and we know men don't really talk to each other about that. So, well, how else do you learn? Yeah, how else do you learn things? And, and and in a positive way, in a positive way that resonates with you, that makes you also not feel shamed and like feel worthy you know that's the other thing i think is like we're exactly. all three like very sex positive women who like are the opposite of shamed <laughs> ashamed yeah. in any sense of the way but like this is a topic that's very very sh- like women are c- all around the world are shamed for just being let alone being sexual creatures for sure. so that's like totally. the other nuanced thing that you know should be mentioned right is like yes Yeah, just being able to be comfortable and and feel good and not feel shame and not let anybody treat you like shit or talk to you like shit for it.
3: Right, and porn, it's very male-centric and it doesn't, you're right, exactly. It does not show a lot of, it shows way more women going down on men than men going down on women. And then when you learn by that model, you think that that's what sex is. So there's not a lot of foreplay, which women really need. Mm -hmm. And this is reflected in the fact that there is what we call an orgasm gap in sex. 91 or something around there, depending on the study, percentage of men have orgasms during sex. Women, much lower, ranges from like 39 oh
1: to God. 60s. So, 39 but, to 60s? 39, <laughs> yeah. So, thir- so it depends That's on the so study. Sad. And and they're
0: there. like, I'm fine 91% of the time. That's so sad. 60% wow. only? Bad. That's like wow. barely the majority.
3: Yeah, one study shows 31% of women having sex, orgasms during sex, heterosexual sex. In sex with other women, they have orgasms as uh, frequently as men. So Mm -hmm. there is kind of a problem with the script. However, what I think is something I know through working with Kenneth is that this isn't just men being assholes. Men want, a lot of men want to be good lovers and do not know how. Mm. And they are actually sad about it, and and they think that is because their penis must not be big enough, because that's what porn teaches you, right? Oh, if she's not coming, it's just because I don't have that ten inch dick that I see in porn everywhere, right. and that must be it. They don't think, oh, she's not coming because I didn't go down on her, I didn't kiss her, I didn't emotionally connect with her, right. I didn't make her feel safe. Dude, I it didn't must even be my like dick was a clitoris. Right, right. It <laughs> must be my penis. That's right. the conclusion, and it's not because they're ego it's because they just do not know.
0: There's no, there, conversations there is no whatsoever. conversation
3: about how there's very little. I don't know because I'm not around men in private, but I don't know if there's deep conversations having about cuddling us in private between men, uh, right? Because then they feel pressured to be that super sud with the huge penis to their friends, too. Right, mm-hmm. right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so the actual ingredients for what makes good sex are kind of mysterious to a lot of people. Right. And then what you said about shame makes it super complicated. I mean, so having this discussion, I think you could easily infer that. That's why I keep repeating. It's not that porn is bad, it's not that eating apps are bad. It's not that these things are bad because if your tactic to counteract the problems is just shaming people right well you know men suck men are assholes porn is horrible dating apps are horrible the world's going down right these one-dimensional narratives about shaming sex shame does not solve problems it makes them worse and yeah. then you get the in the closet donating behavior
0: yeah totally totally that makes sense yeah Oh my wow. God! Wow, I've learned a lot. <laughs> This is so great.
1: I need to great. pass on some of this knowledge definitely to clients if yeah. they bring things up. Now I feel you gonna tell them a the little this more episode. qualified. Yeah, you'd be like, look, there's an episode all about instead of it. being like, go buy lingerie.
3: Well, also, because um, well, I, I I did
1: tell a client to do that exactly one.
3: Exactly, the problem is this file I mean, buy lingerie is a thing. Yeah. But that's the only thing. Yeah. that We see in these magazines. Yeah. There's yeah. Super simple. Oh well, just make spice that fine Yeah. Lingerie. Yeah. You know, it's also that it's on media. us
0: only. It's, it's, it's yeah. Us. Fuck. Yeah.
3: Yes. Also that it's on us. That the laundry for men
0: that I've seen. Wrong. I had a client that I mean not a client a good friend and I guess I should say this because it really hurt my heart when she said this. I had a very good friend who recently got divorced and I didn't know she got divorced because she kind of just like. I hadn't heard, I mean, it was a pandemic, right? Like, everybody kind of went into their own world, whatever. But when we finally, like, emerged and I spoke with her, she was like, look, I'm getting a divorce. And it was so shocking, but I was like, girl, let's talk about it, whatever. Turns out that they had been, I think that they were in, like, an open marriage, maybe, and they were sleeping with all these other people. But the problem was that he was going and sleeping with prostitutes and, like, spending a lot of money sleeping with prostitutes and was hiding it from her for all of this time. And so when she found out about it, she was really upset. They got divorced, whatever. And so when she was talking to me about it, I said, Girl, like this has nothing to do with you. Like you did all the things, like you had an open marriage. What else could you have done? And like I know you, I know that you, you know, nurtured him all these things. It's had a hundred thing everything to do with him. And she said, Elizabeth, you're the first person to say that to me. She was like, All of my friends blamed me for this and said that obviously it was oh. something that I did. And it like broke my heart. I was like, "Girl." Meanwhile,
1: I, it's like you're fine with him fucking other women. Yes, exactly. that's actually the problem. He made the it very like you're easy. You're a liar. He and just it's bad decided, with money. <laughs> yeah. He decided yes. to take it ten steps further into yes. like a whole other
0: realm. Exactly. But it just hurt. It made me so. And this woman is so fucking smart. She's a scientist. She's such a badass. Like she's a feminist. She's so cool. And it hurt my heart so much that like that one that her friends would blame her, but two that she'd believe it. Right? I know. And so that's what I guess why I wanted also, to bring this up. I'm sorry. Her friends are fucking They're dumb. the worst. Th- I was like, who? Girl's not you asking name you names. what you think. She just needs, I'll like, a shoulder hug. to lean yes. on. Yes, be a friend. Goddamn, what the fuck are you doing? What are you, my enemy? I'm over that shit. <laughs> Honestly. I'm not asking yes. for advice. Don't give it. Yes, so. Unless the- I'm, like, really is, If that's fucking you, up. get rid of those friends. But two, it's just, like, it isn't about shame. It's it's never about shame, especially with right. sex with relationships. It's never about shame. It's never about blame. It's a two-way street, people.
3: Get some right, and before I mean,
0: you give some, I That's, that's <laughs> a
3: situation where, had he been honest with her, there's nothing wrong with sex workers, and there's no. nothing wrong with being interested in it. And who knows, maybe she would have wanted to join it. Exactly, and maybe the process of her could have even helped him be better at. Learning to please her or something yes. like that. Sex workers are a wealth of information totally. about sex. They have more sex than anyone else. They know uh, a lot about it. hundred percent so. true. No, and but I
0: apologize maybe, if that came off that I was like, blaming, no, 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 like, not it. sex you work positive. positive.
3: You didn't. You didn't. I'm just clarifying <laughs> that the problem is came and lack of honesty yeah. and lack of ability to talk about stuff. If you didn't come off as negative, I was oh, just good. offering an alternate, <laughs> an all alternate money. future <laughs> that those two could have had, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah it's no, and it's, it's not really i think what you talk about about advice from friends is, is exactly what we've been circling around this circling around this whole issue is that people often go for these one-dimensional narratives where well it's either it, like, women hate men men hate women or it's either completely your fault or it's completely his fault or whatever it is really we have no idea about the contents of their relationship except for this one thing about it was it completely her fault? Absolutely not. Yeah. You know what I mean? But that's kind of what people get sort of stuck in these eddies of like, well, men are stuck, men men suck, men are shit. Women are it's all women's fault. Women need to be the ones to be responsible. If you ruin your relationship, it's because you're not fucking him right or whatever right. it is. None lingerie. of these things is the solution to a nuanced problem in which, you know, everyone is... A lot of people are suffering just from lack of basic education and awareness and all of the chain that we all grow up with. But I think women in general tend to bear the brunt of At all. a lot of the, a <laughs> lot of this sort of like a lot of women maybe know that they would like more for a player for their partner to go down on them or whatever it is. But people have a really hard time asking for these things because then, you know, you're that demanding bitch. Hmm. Because it's very hard for people to ask for what they want. And sometimes they don't even know what they want because they've never gotten it in the past. Women, Women in specific. And so, and then there, you know, there is a lot of those sort of narratives. On the other hand, and this doesn't apply to that particular couple because I don't know them. But what I think... I've been shocked by working for a male sex ed- educator, is just also knowing how much men do really want to know this stuff. But it's kind of like the blind leading the blind sometimes. Women yeah. haven't figured it out, they've never gotten it, men aren't told how to do it. Then there's this situation when they're trying to figure it out and who's to guide who and where. And so it's the complicated problem. Yeah, well, okay, so
0: we have a listener letter. So before we go to hey, ladies, shout out how our followers can follow you and learn from you and love you the way that I love you. Tell the peoples.
3: ChelseaFasano.com, C-H-E-L-S-U-I-F-A-S-A-N-O.com.
0: And also, don't you have a podcast coming out, I heard, maybe? Oh, I
3: have a few podcasts where I talk about meditation. My two realms are meditation and sexuality. So I have a lot of meditation-related podcasts. I also, you can also find me through KennethPlay.com,
0: K-E-N-N-E-T-H-P-L-A-Y,
3: and I work with him a lot, and I'm on some of his sex ed courses. And I should also list my teacher's website, MichaelaBolem.com, because I mentioned her a lot, and she's a great sex ed resource to learn about the art of intimacy and, and really teaches the brass tacks of how to cultivate the abilities that I'm talking about here.
0: And then, what about the person that you said also talks about how hard it is to be intimate? I think you said she does a speech. Esther
3: Perel, yeah, E S um, T E R P E R E L. She's amazing. I love her. Very charming and European and smart and nuanced and just delightful. Very sensual. I love her. Okay, and great. And, and speaks great about a lot of a lot of sex um, issues and. solutions and she also talks about this problem i discussed about difference and similarity and the 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 sort of patch 22 between difference and similarity and long-term relationships
0: So, here is a letter from our Instagram. So, if you guys uh, want to follow us on Instagram, we're at True Beauty Brooklyn, or you can send us a letter at True Beauty Brooklyn Podcast, or you can send us a letter at True Beauty Brooklyn Podcast at gmail.com. So, um, we did that all in one breath? One breath. Okay, so this is from Emily. Hey, so, Emily asks, My sex drive has been MIA for months. Is this quarantine morning, or could it be something of concern? Also, any ways to get it back?
3: So there are three things happening with people's sex drives during coronavirus that I think are important to note. So one is during sexual arousal, there's a balance of parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system arousal that needs to happen for sex to happen well, which means um, fight or flight and rest and digest both need to be somewhat online. So there should be some amount of that excitement we talked about and also some amount of relaxation. If it gets really out of balance in either direction, it tends not to work very well. So if you're just extremely anxious, then as we all know, it usually doesn't feel great to have sex when you're in a super, super high anxiety state or you know feeling a lot of pressure from external circumstances. It also doesn't work if you're super, super bored and not feeling very awake, right? There's a Mm -hmm. medium ground. Coronavirus is kind of producing the worst of both worlds. On one hand, we are bombarded with the awareness through every single moment of our day that we're surrounded by massive tragedy, fear. So basically, sympathetic arousal is off the charts. It's just we are, our nervous system is taxed beyond what anyone has probably dealt with unless they have encountered severe trauma before of uh, heightened sympathetic nervous system arousal constant cortisol production and if you think about this on a very basic evolutionary level if you're an animal you are not going to have sex if you feel like you're running from a predator Mm -hmm. if you're in danger our nervous system is wired so that our first priority is survival Mm -hmm. so when you feel like you're in survival your your nervous system does not why would you go and have sex when you're running for your life you wouldn't so your nervous system is designed to shut down sexuality in the in the case that survival is necessary Mm. and devote all your attention to what do i need to stay alive yeah and that's how a lot of people feel it's hard because we're in our houses and there isn't actually a tiger but there is a tiger and it's this microscopic thing that we can't see that threatens our lives and threatens the lives of those we love and produces the fact that other human beings are dying Mm -hmm. and so after a year of this people are in that animal mode where their animal body is saying go and hide in a cave store up food get fat maybe who knows what's coming yeah um and definitely fucking is not a good idea you
0: know yeah love it so then
3: on the other hand on the boredom front it's actually bad on that front too because we're in this perpetual groundhog day where every single day is the same you wake up you stay in your own apartment or you Mm. go you know some people are going to work but not many you see your very small group cluster of your bubble of people. So that the levels of novelty, which we talked about, that's so important for sex are just at negative a hundred, right? We yeah. have no new things happening. So you're getting the worst of both total boredom and yeah. stress beyond belief. Yeah. Both of those things are sex drive killers. Right. Yeah. And then thirdly, people are doing a lot of computer work and staring at screens all day. Mm -hmm. And what that produces in the nervous system is really high inhibition Mm. because you're getting into sort of performance mode and you're seeing yourself in your little corner of your screen and you feel like you're being watched all the time and you're staring at this little bubble and all of your sort of awareness is in the top half of your body, in your head, in your thinking, and you're over here. What you need for sex is to be in your hips and to be in your lower body and to be in low inhibition states Mm -hmm. where you're not performing and you're not feeling that sort of being watched sensation, Mm -hmm. right? and so we're not walking oh, around as much we're not moving as much we're not using our bodies we all kind of like zoo animals. yeah we're like zoo animals we're yeah. looking at this little screen all day where it, most of our awareness is sort of up here yeah um and and for sex you need to be you need to be in your lower body and you need to feel unobserved mm-hmm. right feeling like you're being watched has been studied clinically as actually a really um Negative factor for sex. makes sense. It's like when cats so. are in heat,
0: they're like hiding, right? They're like going yep. into like to, or yeah, trying to find some space where it's like, get away. Stop looking yeah. at me.
3: Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so I mean, interesting. So and you know, if you're in a room where everyone is having sex, that wouldn't really be the case. But if you feel like you're being washed clinically, so to speak, but that right. feeling is happening a lot over Zoom. That basically, computer yeah. work
0: is not <laughs> like the that. You that... said if you're in a room where everybody else is having sex, yeah. you might not feel that. <laughs> yeah,
3: I mean, you probably wouldn't because it's just. you know, I mean, right? Yeah, but so basically, yeah. so three things are these three things are all coming together to make people. Feel like their sex drive is something that it never has been before. Right. And then the, you know, the fourth thing is, I think what she said in her answer is very astute. She said "coronavirus mourning." Mm. That those are very specific words, and I do think we're we are in on some level a collective mourning for Mm -hmm. all of the people that we've lost, whether we know them or not. And mourning is not a time where you would traditionally be feeling like sex either. Yeah. So I think it's very important to have a lot of patience with oneself right now and realize that these are extraordinary times, not in a positive way.
2: Mm -hmm. Meaning
3: they're not ordinary at all. And it's super normal if your sex drive has not is not there. For other people, they're gonna be kind of stress fucking and feeling like they're having sex kind of some people respond very differently to stress and it has to do with their individual nervous systems. Some people go more hypersexual and some people their sex drive goes away and it just Mm -hmm. depends on knowing kind of which person you are but also with the extreme and kind of constant levels of stress we're being under your normal go-to might have shifted Mm -hmm. so you might normally be someone where when you're stressed you go out and party and have a lot of sex and do crazy stuff but then because of the sustained stress of coronavirus you might have just switched over into complete shutdown
0: Yeah, it's interesting that you say that something that my mom said a little bit ago, because I was just feeling so stressed. And my mom is a nurse practitioner. She was saying, you know, it's not normal for the human nervous system to sustain this long of stress for a whole year to just be consistently at this level. It's not normal for humans to feel this way. So like, however you're feeling right now, that's the new normal. And just like, don't blame yourself yeah for cut, yourself, like, some cut slack. yourself some slack exactly because like we're just doing the best that we can to survive like literally right now
3: when you see stress in clinical in clinical studies and it has to do with what they call the hypothalamic pituitary axis it's a com- it's a combination of various endocrine systems and nervous uh, nervous system elements neurotransmitters etc that combine to produce a response Initial stress makes you more productive. You go up. Yeah. Your nervous system functions better. So when you get stressed before an exam, for instance, it could be helpful. However, when you sustain that for long enough, the whole system starts degrading. Yeah. And you become way less productive. Mm-hmm. Your health starts declining. Your memory gets worse. And basically, there is an arc, right? Initial, initial bounce and then very steep decline on right. almost every level. And so that's basically where most of us are at. And so what can you do to... I think that was part of her question, what mm-hmm. can you do to get it back? A, be patient and comp- and compassionate towards yourself is the first step, right? Mm-hmm. Feeling like, you know, you're failing, and especially, I guess, if you had a partner that you felt that way towards could be, it's just going to produce more stress. Mm-hmm. So that's what people get into, men and women, is, oh, something's not working right with my sexuality. Panic, panic, panic. Uh, I'm wrong something's broken oh my god and so right that just produces more of all of the factors that we just talked about and it's yeah. really hard to get yourself out of that cycle but it's really important because yeah. as long as you continue there it just kind of gets worse and worse so one thing um, to like say for part. instance oh you know I can't have an orgasm oh my god I'm not coming and then of course then you really
0: can't have of course it's awful stress yeah you're right girl you just said it perfectly <laughs> <laughs>
3: thing is self-compassion self-compassion and trying to reduce shame and self-criticism as much as humanly possible then the second thing to do is to create situations where you try to intentionally basically Mm de-stress and what that should look like is not you know watching violent netflix shows or doing something else where your nervous system is bombarded right when you're it should be something that is very low stimuli, like right? So it could be, freak. yeah, or take a <laughs> nap or, you know, sit around and do nothing. Like or that's a boring book, concept anxiety, right? Yeah, yeah, read a book. Like, yeah. Uh, meditate I got a book the other day. Like, an actual book.
0: not an audiobook, not like a book on my Kindle, got an actual book so I can like read, just sit and read a book.
3: It's self you know for sure. Yes, yeah, exactly. And yeah. do stuff that feels boring, basically, Yeah. Like, do things, or you initially are like, hmm, am I being productive enough? Like, if you're feeling like you're kind of being useless, that's probably a good sign that you're de-stressing. Which like, honestly, be a little is, useless. like so
0: bananas, girl, because I started sewing, and when I first started sewing, I was like, this is gonna take fucking forever, and then I was like, bitch, that's the point. Like, that's the yeah, point exactly. is to have this thing that you can just take your time and take. Like, there's no deadline. The deadline is when you're done. Yeah.
3: Exactly, exactly. And that's what we've been a, a recurring theme in this show is low stimuli things are becoming more and more rare. And mm-hmm. because we don't know how to do those things anymore, a lot of us, we now that we need them more than ever, we haven't practiced them. So yeah. stuff that people used to do, like sewing and knitting and yeah. reading books and taking baths and sitting around lying there, staring out the window, watching the snow.
0: These are the things I've been doing lately. It's so nice.
3: It's been very yeah. nice. Yeah. Or, I love
0: right, low stimuli, right, right.
1: stimuli things.
0: In closing... I've got two things. One is I did want to mention that I realized that we're speaking in a very like heteronormative uh state <laughs> this whole entire conversation. Mm. And so one is we'd love to have you come one is like does it doesn't matter I'm sure that it does matter. I don't want to be like does it like matter? Of course, Mm -hmm. it matters. Of course, I'm sure it's different for gay people to like what they're going through right now, and like in the sex ed conversations. And so, we'd love to have you come back. And and if you have a colleague, or if you want to speak more in a. be just more inclusive, more inclusive.
1: Although, yeah. I feel like a lot of your answers were very inclusive, yeah, but they're pretty general. To... Girls that, that totally. don't yeah. Yeah. But I would love you to, totally, yeah. But I would love to focus mean, on that for sure, yeah,
3: yeah. I have a couple of things to say about that. One, a lot of the things they talked about about the human nervous system, I said men and women, but the basic functioning of things like sympathetic and parasympathetic and all of that stuff applies to every single human, regardless of man, woman, in between, whatever it is that you feel you are and is very applicable to everyone. B, I tend to speak in heteronormative terms because I am mostly hetero, and I work mostly in heterosexual sex ed. So it's not my area of expertise, but that doesn't mean that I don't honor and love queer people to death. Yes. uh, A lot lot of my best friends, and so there's that to say. Um, And then, you know, thirdly, there are some unique dynamics that apply specifically to to queer people, um, both positive and some challenges, and those and I would love to talk about them more. But I think what's really most important, at least for me, is that human sexuality is human sexuality. Totally. And a lot of these things, like needing to be attuned to one another, notice each other's subtle cues, needing a balance of excitement and relaxation, needing to feel safe, needing to learn to be attuned to low stimuli things, would would literally apply to every single human being alive. Totally. You're right, girl. You're right. And and we can talk we can talk more about that or find an expert on that.
0: Yes. And the last thing that I wanna say, and you can tell me if you don't want me to spill this out to the world, but it's one of my favorite things about you. Is that Chelsea and Alex are the types of people that you meet and you can just tell that they have multicultural friends and they know about the fucking world and have a lot of empathy on a deeper level and do the work to see, to be empathetic. And I remember going to see Chelsea, like, right in maybe June. I came to your house to do an in-home facial. And first of all, homegirl's just, like, casually reading Baldwin. And she looks at me and says, Elizabeth, are white people just finding out that white supremacy is real? Like, what the fuck is going on out there? Mm. (laughs) And I just remember being, like i love you so much this is why we're friends and you're the shit (laughs) so i just want the world to know that that's you know a little piece of you that i carry i carry with me and that's like the chelsea that i love and that's one of the reasons i wanted you on the show because you're that bitch
1: guys. Hey. Hope you enjoyed that interview and fun conversation with Chelsea. I know that I learned a lot. It's crazy. It's like you can be in your 30s. I've been having sex for many years, but there are so many things that you just don't
0: realize. Yeah, and because we don't talk about it. That's what I yeah. loved about this conversation, which is like, I mean, you and I, I think, often have open and honest conversations with like basic strangers about sex all the time, but I don't think it, it definitely doesn't happen for people. Mm-hmm. And I think we should have conversations like this more often. That was what I liked the most, is just yeah. like, yeah, speaking frankly, totally. Um, but also like, <laughs> can't help but think about how fucked up it is that
1: it's like, oh, once you become best friends with your partner. You might not have as great of sex.
0: And of, I know as that's great, not, not as great, just totally. not as much. Just not <laughs> totally. as much. Totally, good. It gets better but, because y'all know each other. Totally. Hopefully. But I think it's
1: also important to know and to learn that you can change things. And yeah. maybe it won't be like when you were first together. Yeah. Because nothing compares to that time. It's a special time and it, oh, it is great. what it was Imagine for like, that it, reason. It must.
0: I've never done heroin, but it must be like that.
1: Yeah. I must, know. When she was saying drugs, I'm like, well, I've never done coke, but... I would definitely like it yeah. <laughs> if
0: it's like the beginning of a relationship. Shit. Yes. Yeah, honestly. Um, and I do have to say that my friend Alex is always doing shit. Like, she inspires me so much to be Goddamn, God damn, we need to do some shit in our relationship. So I really? think that's – Yeah, girl, you're always doing things and seeing Kyle places and trying to, like, keep oh, things Oh, yeah, fun. when it's nice out. Yeah, <laughs> I need to do more things. So, yeah. I think that – but, yes,
1: I think that does make sense. And to also have your own separate things I think is so important just in general – but it makes sense that it would work well for your sex life. Totally. You know?
0: Yeah. Um.
1: But if you guys have any other questions for Chelsea, because we definitely want to have her on again. For sure.
0: Yes. Uh, I think that was a really fun uh, episode. We want yeah. to hear from you guys. I would love thought. for you
1: to write to us about any questions you have for her. Mm-hmm. You know where to find us at True Brooklyn Podcast
0: at gmail.com. True Beauty Brooklyn Podcast. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, at gmail.com. <laughs> We make your dreams come true. We make your dreams come true. It's like the Grand Prosper Hall. If you're a New Yorker, you know what I was trying to do. If you a real one, if you a real one, you know I what I was trying it. to do there.
1: I love it. Um, also, to all like past Brazilian wax clients who have really opened up to me about their lives and sex lives and things that they're going through. Thank you. I hope that I've
0: helped you. Yeah, for sure. Even, even said though something. I think yeah. you probably told them something besides just get some lingerie. I think so. Yeah, I've heard you. But also, thank you for confiding in me and trusting me. Yeah. It's a big deal. Oh, I guess that's a really great, like, ad for us. You get more than just a wax when you come to (laughs) True Beauty. You get a new best friend. No, but honestly, that's one of the cool... That's honestly, like, what started the podcast was just having women be so intimate and honest with us, like, in such a short amount of time and just hearing, like, great stories, sad stories, whatever stories, but just having like this kinship and being like these need to be like we need to talk about this on a bigger level so thank you guys yeah I would
1: love to okay I just had a vision tell us once we can gather in groups yeah to have like a little party but also where Chelsea kind of speaks and answers questions
0: you mean like maybe a tour sure some kind of yeah concert tour sure <laughs> where well, we bring all our bad bitch people who yeah talk and teach yeah us things we can have kenneth back yeah we can do a whole thing like a whole beauty school expo how to be an adult finances sex
1: and everything <laughs> in between how
0: to be a bad bitch get it right it's always how to be a bad bitch <laughs> okay so guys if you haven't yet even if you have maybe they'll let you do it again right review wait God damn it! Rate, review, subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> so Rate, review, and subscribe, please. We'd love it. What else can you do? You can follow <laughs> us on Instagram. Um,
1: ask us more questions. Beauty school questions are great for yes. when we have Sabz on. Totally asking beauty our questions. Listener
0: letters. Yes, you can send us your. I didn't. Okay, we have not gotten enough. I didn't know then, but I'm older now. We have not gotten enough milk with your dinners. Come on, you guys send us that send shit. Send I was thinking today just about just a concept of lazy. Milk with your dinner, like how hilarious that is. So it maybe is the, okay the next time you hear from us I'm gonna have a new one because that shit's so good. And I want to inspire you to send <laughs> us. <laughs> I want to hear more stories. I love it. It's, it makes us all it makes us all closer as a nation but also just like as a people. Totally. You know? So send us your milk with your dinner. Send us your I didn't know then but I'm older now. I'll come with something great for you too so you know. <gasps> I know
1: that. one. Ooh I just thought of one that a client told me that I didn't even occur to me that it was a milk with your dinner I'm I'm gonna have her write it in
0: okay great yes <laughs> and actually we do have a really great i didn't know them but i'm older now with our friend molly so we have to do that one next time too cool yes okay so we got some for you guys we got some we're thinking out loud sorry thinking out loud i will see you next time <laughs> clearly we need to talk uh, okay i guess that's it we'll see you next time <laughs> we love you guys
3: seeking the truth never gets old